Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Oh, what a great day to open the Word of God and learn from our Father who wants to teach us. That's good. Let's pray. Yes, Father, here we are. We're your children. We're your students. Teach us now like a father teaches in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 30, verse 22. If you turn to that, Genesis 30 and verse 22, where we read that God remembered Rachel and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bare a son and said, God had taken away my reproach. She called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I might go unto mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service which I have done thee. So here we've come now. We came to verse 24, which is the, the name of the second to the last son of Jacob. In verse 24, we read that, Joseph was the name. We saw that last week, everything that that was encompassed in that word, Joseph, that Rachel made up. And the Lord said, the Lord will add to me another son. So this is the last son that Jacob's gonna have in Haran under Laban's employ, or maybe you could say under Laban's bondage. (laughs) But it's a very, it's, it's a family. It's a family, finally. Here's a family. It's a family of Jacob. He's got should have one wife, he ends up with four. Well, you know, nothing's perfect in any family. And apart from Mary and Joseph, this is the most important family that's ever been built. Have you ever thought about that? This is the most important family that's ever been built. And we ask the question, well, what does the most important family that's ever been built look like? <laughs> well, here it is. You know, it's a, and this last son that Rachel has in Haran, she kind of caps it off. And they, from here, they're going to start back to Jacob's home. And Rachel names this child Joseph. And then the next one, she names Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. So Rachel's name for, for that child will, tell, will actually be her last words on earth. It's her last words. When she dies in childbirth and she names this terrible name, Benoni, and then Jacob steps in and he'll change it and he has no resistance from Rachel because she's dead. And so that he changed, he's able to change it to Benjamin. But all these names, all these names here of Jacob's sons were names that their mothers gave them with the exception of Judah. Each one of the names of these sons are very sad. They're very sad names because when you read these names here, they're really a recap of the terrible history 
the terrible conflict, the terrible bitterness between two sisters that were married to the same man. As a matter of fact, if you lined all these boys up, you know, and, and say, okay, boys, line up and recite your name, you know, from the littlest one up to, I guess it's start with the tallest one, down to the littlest guy here, what's your name? And as they would sound off their names, it's like a graphic history of the fight between Leah and Rachel. And these are really sad names. I mean, even the ba- they, you say, oh, you get to the last guy, little guy here. What's your name, little fella? Benjamin. Oh, but that just reminds you that his name was really Benoni, the son of my sorrows. But, but Jacob stepped in and he changed it to Benjamin. So what we see in the names of these children here are very, very sad. But these are the 12 tribes of Israel. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel reflect a very sad history of a horrible family conflict. But these are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. With all their sadness and a terrible family conflict, this is what they were born into. And these names, these names that we've been studying here, are found in only one place in the tabernacle. They're not engraved on any piece of furniture in the tabernacle. They're not embroidered on any piece of fabric in the tabernacle, but they are found in only one place in the tabernacle. Where's that? Where are these names found in the tabernacle? Only one place. Breastplate. And? And with Aaron on his breastplate. And on his shoulders. His shoulders. That's amazing. That's amazing. The very names that reflect this sad, terrible history of a conflict, they are found laying on the shoulders of Aaron, the great high priest, and on the breastplate of Aaron, the great high priest. That's recorded for us in Exodus 39, 6-8, where it says, And they wrought onyx stones, you know, onyx stones encouched, enclosed in ouches of, of gold graven as signets or graven with the names of the children of Israel. And he put them on the shoulders on the ephod that they should be stones for a memorial to the children of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses. And he made the breastplate of cunning work like the work of an ephod of gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen and in verse 10 of 39 of Exodus, and they set in it four rows of stones. There's three per row. And the first row was a sardius, a topaz, a carbuncle, and this was the first row. And then it goes down to verse 14. And the stones were according to the names of the children of Israel, 12 according to their names, like the engravings of the signet, everyone with his name according to the 12 tribes. On the shoulders, over the heart, of the great high priest were these stones with the names that are the sad reminder of the terrible conflict of a family that no one should have the misfortune of being born into. (laughs) But they're on Aaron. They're on Aaron, the great high priest who is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. The shoulders where the burdens are carried and on his shoulders he carries the burdens of the persons that these names represent and that the people that came from them. The heart is the seat of love. And from the heart, he loves those persons 
of those names represent. Yet, knowing the terrible history that we've been reading about, that these names represent, why would the Lord Jesus Christ want these names to be on his shoulders? Why would he want to carry their burdens? And the answer to that question can only be found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because of how much he cares for the Jewish people. Knowing the terrible history that these names represent, why would the Lord Jesus Christ want these names on his heart? Why would he love these people? The answer to that question can only be found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because of how much he loves the Jewish people. These names with their terrible history represent us. Each one of us has a terrible history. Yet knowing our terrible history, why would the Lord Jesus Christ want to carry our burdens on his shoulders as it says in Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. As it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Why would the Lord Jesus Christ want to carry us with our burdens on his shoulders? The answer to that can only be found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because of how much he cares for us. And knowing our terrible history, why would the Lord Jesus Christ want to love us from his heart? I remember when Ken Small was dying and uh, his son Kevin came to him in the hospital and he said, Dad, I love you from my heart. It was very touching. (laughs) He didn't just say, I love you. He said, I love you from my heart. (laughs) And why would the Lord Jesus Christ want to love us from his heart? Why, as it says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who has, uh, and, and Romans 5, 8, for God commendeth his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and as his words in John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Why? Why would the Lord Jesus Christ, with our terrible history, want to love us from his heart? The answer to that question only is found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because of how much he loves us. That's it. Jehovah Jesus took those names on his shoulder over his heart as he takes us on his shoulder and on his heart as he said in Proverbs 8.31, my delights were with the sons of men. And so these men, with all their terrible backgrounds of bitterness and fighting that their names reflect, and they become the 12 tribes of Israel, these will become God's people. Have a look at the most important family that was ever built. That's God's Israel. That's the family that was of bitterness and fighting. Can anyone say, God can't use me because of my family background? You can't say, no one can say that. <laughs> because of 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, not to applaud the righteous, because there aren't any, (laughs) but to save sinners. Now we read in verse 25, it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go into my own place, my country. See, now verse 25 tells us that with the birth of Joseph, that certain thoughts now come to Jacob, certain feelings seem to overcome him. Certain concerns worry him. And these are all these thoughts and concerns and feelings about home. And he has strong feelings now to return home. 
He's concerned about the dangers of staying any longer in Haran with his wonderful uncle Laban. He's worked for this wonderful uncle for 14 years, served his time in exchange for his two wives. Only wanted one, but he get two. And Jacob's overcome now with thoughts and feelings. He's got to go home. He's supposed to stay. He was supposed to stay there in Haran and wait for Rebekah to call him. He wasn't supposed to leave until he got the call from Rebekah. He was supposed to stay there. That's what his mother told him. Stay there in Haran until I call for you. Because Rebekah was Jacob's watch. She was his lookout back home, and she was to send the message and say, it's okay, come back home now. Esau has forgotten his anger, and you know, he's not purposing to kill you anymore. He doesn't want to murder you. Those were her last words to Jacob when he fled for his life, and Jacob was to stay in Haran until Rebekah sent word that it was safe and okay for him to come home. But now with the birth of Joseph, call or no call, he feels strongly it's time for him to leave and return home. He can't take it any longer. He wants deliverance from Laban's oppression. And he knows that it will get really bad there if he stays any longer with Laban. He feels he must now begin. He looks at this group he's got here, all these people, and he thinks to himself, he thinks like Clint does when he looks at all his family. He says, I got to provide for all these mouths. <laughs> he's got, with the birth of Joseph, this just seems to have tipped the scales for Jacob as he looks at his large family and he understands that with Laban's selfishness, there's no way that I'm going to be able to provide for my own. With the birth of Joseph, Jacob has in the back of his mind, you know, if I st- Uncle Laban, he's a bad influence on my family. I mean, he doesn't know, or he doesn't honor God. He doesn't honor the God of my grandfather, the God of Abraham. He doesn't honor the God of my father, God of Isaac, you know. And, and he doesn't want his family to be influenced anymore by Laban and his idolatry, and he wants just out. So he says in verse 25, send me away. Now, he wants it to be somewhat friendly, a departure, and so he wants Laban to send him away, which is, you know, the diplomatic way of saying what he says in the next verse, let me go. You know, he's just, he's begging, he's begging Laban to just leave. I want to leave. Now, we really see the heart of Jacob by how he describes where he wants to go. You see, he reveals his heart here. He says, let me go to my own, mine own place. Let me go to my country. See, he's feeling that in Haran, this is not his own place. This is not his country. He's longing and yearning to go back to his own place, to go back to his own country. And what does he mean by his own place, his own country? It means, for one thing, a great change has happened in Jacob. Because we remember in the chapter before, chapter 29, what it was like for Jacob in the so-called early days in Haran. I mean, he's described, and it started off in that chapter 29 of verse 1, where it says, remember the Hebrew says, he lift up his foot, so he's practically springing to come into the country of Haran. And remember how Jacob arrived in Haran after he was fleeing his murderous brother Esau, and how he arrived, didn't have any food, didn't have any money, and how in chapter 29, verse 1, Jacob was so encouraged. It's, oh, look, I got a new beginning here. It's new people. They were called the people of the east, the people of the morning. 
The, the sun is rising on his life now. And remember how this was going to be a great new start from Jacob, a great new beginning, and how wonderful it all looked for Jacob. Everything was just wonderful for Jacob. We remember how wonderful the new people were to Jacob. And verse 4, how he called, he meets these people he never met before, but he calls me. he says, my brethren. <laughs> he calls them brethren. They look at each other and say, he's coming on a little strong, do you think? Yeah. And, but the people were wonderful. And then we remember the well, and the well was wonderful. I mean, there the well was out in the middle of the desert there in Aaron, and Jacob looks at that and says, oh, that well's like my life. My life's like a big desert, and all of a sudden now there's a well in the middle of the desert. Oh, this is wonderful. And then how could we forget the girl? Oh, the girl in verse 6, she was wonderful. She was beautiful. Rachel sounds so nice, little lamb. She was like a dream, so beautiful. And then who could forget the kiss? Oh, the kiss in verse 11. The kiss was wonderful. He got to kiss the girl of his dreams, Rachel. And then remember Laban in verse 13. Oh, Laban was wonderful. He was so warm. He was so welcoming. He comes out and he says in verse 13, surely thou art my bone and my flesh. He says, oh, look, he met his bone and flesh. It's me. Wonderful. And then we remember Laban's wonderful generosity and his concern in chapter 14 when he told Jacob, oh, just name your wages. Oh, so wonderful. And remember Laban's wonderful agreement to, sure, you can have Rachel. And Jacob came to Haran those early days in Haran. Everything was wonderful. He could just sing, everything's going my way. You know, it really looked like all of Jacob's needs were met Jacob's need for finally, for family security was met in the home of Laban. He doesn't have a watch over his shoulder about a brother that's going to kill him. His need for income was met by Jabin's wonderful generosity. And most of all, Jacob's love life, his need for a love life was met in this beautiful Rachel, the girl of his dreams. Boy, Heron was wonderful. Those early days in Heron, it appeared as though all of Jacob's needs were met outside of Canaan. It looked like all of Jacob's needs were met outside the land of promise. It looked like all of Jacob's needs were met away from God in Haran. Frankly speaking, if we were to ask Jacob at that time, Jacob, do you want to return to Canaan now? At that time in those early times, those early days when Jacob was in Haran, if the word had come from Rebekah saying, Jacob, it's okay now. Esau's forgiven you. You can come back home now. And we were to ask Jacob, say, hey, Jacob, you want to go back to Canaan now? You know what he would have said? He would have said, I got to be honest with you. I really don't. I really don't want to go back home now. I got such a great future here in Heron. I found the girl of my dream. She's here in Heron. I found a home of love, of great security. It's right here in Heron. And no one wants to kill me. And everyone here loves me. It's right here in Heron. I've been promised. I got to promise a wealth of income. It's right here in Heron. I got to be honest with you. I don't want to leave Heron. I don't want to. I'm happy here. And if we said, but Jacob, don't you really long and yearn for Canaan? He'd say, honestly, I don't. I don't long and yearn for Canaan. I'm really happy in Heron. Thank you very much. Leave me alone. He would say that. I have a great future here in Heron. And often we find ourselves in the same boat. Like Jacob was in his early days in Heron, where the world's good to us. 
and everything's well with us. Everything's going great. We've got a great circle of friends. We got a steady income. We have interesting work. We enjoy being involved in these fulfilling projects, whatever they are we're involved in. We we have fun in our recreation and our sports. We got a wonderful marriage. And if someone says, "Are you happy?" We would think of all the circle of friends and the steady income and fulfilling projects and the recreations, the wonderful marriage, and we'd say, oh, yes, I'm really happy. And if someone said, well, do you yearn and long to go to heaven? Well, we'd think of how heaven would be. Let's see now. Heaven would be uh, an interruption to the circle of friends. Let's <laughs> see now. Heaven would be an interruption to the steady income be an interruption to the interesting work. It'd be an interruption to the feeling for feeling for fulfilling projects. It'd be an interruption to the the fun of the recreation, the sports. It'd be an interruption to the wonderful marriage. And we'd say, "Well, I am a Christian, and I know I'm supposed to say yes that I long and I yearn for heaven. And I guess that somehow it's supposed to be better up there, but I, I don't know. I can't really see it right now. But <laughs> but you know, so really." If I was to tell you honestly, I'd have to say I'm pretty happy with my life down here, and I honestly am not really longing and yearning to go to heaven and have all this interrupted, you know? And we would be in exactly the same state as Jacob in the early days of Haran when he would say that he really didn't want to go back to Canaan. See, that's a great description to all that holds our affections to earth, and it's described as the things of the earth. And it comes from Colossians 3, 2, where it says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And if we were to apply this verse to Jacob in his early days in Haran, we would say, Jacob, I know things in Haran look really good, but set your affection on things in Canaan and not on things in Haran. Hmm? And it was really dangerous for Jacob in those early days of Haran. And it's really dangerous for us when the world is all it should be for us. And when Isaac needed a wife, Abraham had two concerns. What were the two concerns? Remember the two concerns that Abraham had for his son Isaac? When he needed a wife, Abraham had two concerns for his son Isaac. What was the first one? That day she should not marry a Canaanite. Right. And the second one? He should not what? He should not go back to Haran. He should not. He said in Genesis 24, 6, Abraham said unto him, to his servant Eliezer, beware that thou bring not my son thither again. And in verse 8, and if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. Why? Abraham knew the dangers of getting affection set on Haran, and so Abraham commissioned Eliezer, don't bring him to Haran. Well, if Abraham could not guard his grandson, Jacob, from going back to Haran, so God said, okay, I'll take over. (laughs) I'll make sure that Jacob doesn't get his affections fixed on things of Haran. And so it was painful. This whole history is painful for Jacob to have his affections change and become unset on things of Haran. But God had that wonderful Uncle Laban turn out to be a terrible cheat, yeah? And had that wonderful income and wealth from Laban turn out to be slavery. And and had that wonderful girl, Rachel, turn out to be terrible. 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.